Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're not going to get any better by just constantly saying, no, no, I think he's good enough. I think we should stick with Nyland. <laughs> Imagine those Liverpool fans who got their way. El Jaren and Gog would still be, would still be trying to break through. Loris Karius would still be their fucking goalkeeper. <laughs> Although, based on the last two weeks, maybe that wouldn't be a bad thing. Hi, guys. Jack Greenish here. Uh, delighted to say that I've signed a new deal with Aston Villa. That morning sky gave me a love. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. The face of Emmy Martinez said it all. Not good enough. Once again, he was overworked. Once again... He did his part and nobody else came anywhere near close to upholding their end of the bargain. He shook his head at full time. Like he would say two points dropped because of the opposition, because of the apparently good season that Villa are having. But I wouldn't have even accepted three points from that game if someone offered them to me right now. Like I've never seen a team who deserved three points less and probably deserved a point less than Aston Villa tonight. And like... It goes with all the frustration, like the fact that that was probably definitely that I can remember anyway, the least enjoyable game that I've watched in some time. Brighton are a lot to blame for that because of how disgusting they are. They're 3-6-1 formation, they're late hits, they're cynical fouls. But then in the midst of me complaining about Brighton and thinking, what a, you know, we, we slag off Wolves and Burnley and Josie Mourinho and I thought, Jesus, like this Brighton team are, are becoming worse than that. Then I realized Villa are playing even worse than them. And like this isn't an isolation. Like <laughs> I I seem to be adding, it's like one of those memory games, you know, where you like you list off a pile of chocolate bars and then I try to remember what you said, and then I list off a pile. And you know, Burnley second half, this is gonna keep happening now, I think, after every game. I'm gonna to have to go through this list again. Burnley second half, dreadful. Southampton performance by way of intent anyway, pitiful. West Ham, dire, Arsenal don't count. Brighton, the worst of the lot. And like this isn't an off night. This is a pattern now. This is Villa of late. 
a good defensive setup, Jack Grealish and Ollie Watkins, and nothing else. And when those two can't get firing, Villa have nothing. And like, I'm, I am worried now because like here's here's a depressing stat for Elium and for everybody else who's joined and probably we're hoping for something a bit more positive. Four games against Burnley and Brighton, a possible twelve points, two points accumulated. <laughs> At what stage does this good season? start to drift into a decent or slash mediocre season. And you throw in two two games against West Ham there, and that doesn't give you any extra points. Jesus Christ. Undoubtedly the worst performance of the season. We were asking for trouble. Brighton were all over us. More aggressive, more fluid, more players on the pitch, because yet again, Barkley, McGinn, and Trory were anonymous. (laughs) And Potter's a good manager. I don't think Brighton are as disgusting as you make them out. I think they're a good team. Like luckily they don't have a centre forward and didn't take advantage of all the advantages that we handed them. They were we were dreadful. Didn't get into the game at all. Players were too static. There were no connections. It was individual pass after individual pass. It was a mistake to play a two and a one shape in midfield or a two and a none. <laughs> but we get back to that clown. It was <laughs> it was too easy for Brighton to play and too difficult for us. Tactically poor, individually dreadful. Out-thought and out-thought. Like, well, let's, let's do that now, like the, the two and the one. What is Villa's setup now? Like, it used to be so clear exactly what Villa were doing. Villa controlled every game for the first half of the season. That, like, that's why even when they, they dropped points against Brighton and Burnley and you know all these other teams in the first half of the season, it was fine because Villa were playing well for, for most of the games. And they were dominating and they were... Yeah, they were slowing the game down to suit their tempo and they were controlling it and it was, you know, it was very clear what everybody's role was. I just don't know what the what the system is anymore. Like you're saying a two and a one. Like I think Douglas Louise and John McGinn were so deep tonight that it was it ended up being a back six for Villa. And then if you count Grealish and Trori just floating around, there's two. And then Trori or sorry, Barkley doing whatever he was doing. So it's basically a six two two. Or, uh, yeah, if, if we do what you want to say, a 6-2-1 and Barkley's somewhere else. Like, what what is the plan? Like, how, how has it become so stretched? How are there so many gaps now in the in the, in the the middle of the pitch? And what has happened to McGinn and Louise? I don't have the Ashley Westwood award today. Like, you know, oh, he was playing. But, like, any one of them could have been there, the whole Villa team. But definitely, once again, the Villa midfield could have been there. I'll tell you what the plan isn't. It isn't for Ross Barkley to not fucking baller playing. You're giving him the number 10 role and he's just not He's not playing. He's not there. I do really think it was a mistake to play to play with two and a one because, as you said, Brighton had six midfielders. Yeah. And whenever Ross Barkley is doing so little off the ball, then it's just, you're just asking for trouble. It was so easy for Brighton to play the ball around. And then he's doing fuck all on the ball either. He's, he's running into blind alleys. He's not running when he should be. He's going in behind Watkins when it's not on to go in behind him because there's two six-foot-five centre-halves there. <laughs> he's just a mess. Like, that's the problem. Villa, Villa's team is is a mess, but because, because they don't have anything else, it's really difficult to correct it. I mean, Dean Smith was saying before the game that he's never seen a player that wants to be rested, and he's right. I mean, we've heard him say earlier this season that he's never seen a player carried off the pitch because of exhaustion. Mm. Now, when he said that, I didn't realise he thought it was a fucking challenge. I didn't realise it was something he was targeting, something he was trying to achieve before the end of the season. <laughs> like, 
we all know what he's actually doing there. He's deflecting from the fact that, in essence, this is all he has. I mean, people can complain all they want about picking the same team, but think about what you're actually saying there. You're calling for us to pick the same players that were shite last year. You're asking yeah. for us to pick the same players. Nakamba, Trezeguet, El Ghazi. They're not good enough. The squad's not good enough. We knew this at the start of the year. We knew it was going to be a slog. That it was eventually going to catch up with us only having 10 players. I'm not including Ramsey and Sanson in this. They're obviously going to get better. But this is us. Buckle up. Like If, if, you, if you look at full of season... Four wins, then followed up by one win in five. Then that was followed up by being unbeaten in five. Then we had two losses. Then we won. Then we had a loss. Then we won. Then we had a loss. Then we won. And tonight, we should have lost. <laughs> consistent starting 11, given a consistently inconsistent output. Let's, um, so like you mentioned Sanson, and I'm not... I'm a little bit confused because it's like there there's an opportunity to to change things, especially like we say, like being so outnumbered in midfield, like so easy for Brighton to get the ball back, and so easy for for Brighton. Yet yeah, there was always a free man, like whatever way they looked, there's free man. Like damn bloody burn was coming up free as well, like there was that much space. But I'm not even like, yeah, I'm not even. I I, I don't even think that like say Smith should change the the team and bring in different players. I don't want to see. You know, say Ferrari was frustrating tonight. I can I can only imagine the reaction that, that Ferrari's performance is getting online. But I, I don't want to see Trezeguet starting ahead of Ferrari. I don't want to see El Ghazi starting ahead of him. I still want to see Barkley start and be asked a different question. Like, I, I actually had a bit of sympathy for Barkley, mostly in the first half. Like, let's get it straight. Barkley was not good. Didn't help himself. Didn't try again. But... I didn't know what else he could do either. Like when he was standing at number 10, Brighton, as you say, have two six foot five centre backs along with Ben White standing at centre back. And they've got three or four centre midfielders surrounding Barkley as well. And he's getting the ball played to him very rarely. And, you know, McGinn and Louise are standing in their own box. So there's a big 70 yard gap between his midfield partners. God knows what Ferrari's doing. Grealish is trying to get involved. And it's Watkins. And, you know, I don't know what Barkley can really do in that situation. And I'm sort of wondering, like, I would love to see Smith, you know, put someone else on Barkley, bring him into a middle three, put him out to the left, like, you know, make a change in the game. Like, a change of the system would help as well. Not not just for Barkley, but just for the team. But also just to ask Barkley a question before he comes off. You know, you're keeping him at number 10. It's You can tell from the first 20 minutes that it's not going to work. Like, and that's, that, that could be either whatever way Brighton are set up, the opposition in general, or whatever uh, Barkley's attitude is or the way his demeanour is. So start moving him around and, and force him to get into the game. And then if he doesn't, then take him off. But it's like we're just not trying anything else. And, like, yet again, I think this is a showing an inability for Villa, this backroom team, to react. Yeah, I, I think... I think it, yeah, definitely shouldn't have played. Which definitely shouldn't have persisted with a number ten. But if we were going to play a number ten, then then Barkley had to just come off the pitch. There was no point in persisting with him there because he was he was giving us nothing. I think it would have been a bad idea to play Grealish in there anyway. But we should we should have we should have tried Barkley at number eight. But Smith doesn't play Barkley at number eight. He must know something that that everybody else doesn't know because. He just doesn't play him there. He wants to play him in a number 10. And 
having watched Barkley enough times now this season, I wouldn't fucking trust him in a midfield three. Yeah. He's too lazy. I called him off the shoulder Barkley before. He just doesn't bother. Like he, he just lets people go. There's sometimes as well when he just charges down a centre half so that he can pretend that he's tackling. So the ball can just be passed past him. And then he's just like, you know, oh, like I've done my bit. You haven't done your fucking bit. You've just sold yourself. Yeah. Intentionally, I would fucking guess, because you don't do anything else. You don't try to come back then when, once you've done that. Bar- Barkley's a liability in the team. And it's a big problem that we haven't signed another winger because you nearly have to play Jack Grealish out there now because you can't play with Trory and El Ghazi. Yeah. Because that's two players that you just don't know what you're going to get from them. So I think signing Sanson, yeah, it's great. He might, he might turn he might turn out well. I mean, his first touch was a fucking Cruyff turn on a, on the volley from a 50-yard pass. <laughs> I'll have that all day long, but you can't... <laughs> we have to play Grealish on the left wing. And that means then you, you're probably looking at picking Barkley. And if you're picking Barkley, you have to play him number 10 because he's not going to play in midfield. It, it, can Barkley play out wide? Can, you know, is there anything else that can be done with him? I have, no, I don't. He definitely can't play out wide. He's not. He's not nimble enough, and I just think he's too. He's too lazy for centre midfield. I would just like to see, like, even a bit of um in game, like, just from those two lads themselves, like, just to free up Grealish if nothing else, like, send Barkley out to the left just to occupy a fullback and somebody else. Like, he can stand there, get the ball rolled to him, and find Grealish again, who's moving around inside. Like, it just seems like Grealish is stuck out in the left sometimes, and. On a night like tonight, you, you can actually visibly see it. Grealish gets the ball and bang, three players descend around him. You know, and they've got him boxed off in every direction. And Grealish's pride and his ego was too big to roll back to target, which is what he has to do in those situations. But instead, he just tries to win the free. You know, he he can't go anywhere because of the angles of the the pressure. The one time then Grealish gets away, so this is the one chance that Villa had. <laughs> Bertrand Terori sets him off, and it's such a shame. Like you've. A bit more purchase on that ball. Like, Trory mm. wasn't to know. Grealish is actually completely through, but he has to check his run. But he still comes inside, like, takes the position of a defender. Tees up Barkley, who can either shoot or pass to Watkins. But by the time that that loser is done thinking about what he can do, the ball is with a Brighton player, and he's still standing on his heels. And, of course, he doesn't bother trying to retrieve it. Just exactly what you're mentioning there. There's so, there's so many times where I see Barkley just fucking fast asleep on the pitch. And, like, how does he not know there's a defender behind him? Like, this stuff is, it's unforgivable whenever there's 40,000 people in the stadium, but when there's nobody fucking there, yeah, you can hear somebody running. Like, it's, <laughs> like it's, it's just, there's somebody behind you, you're on a football pitch, Brighton are all over the place. Just wake up, this is the one time we got through. And you're right, it was a, it was nearly a brilliant ball from Trory, and Jack does well then, and then it's just, a, just an absolute waste of time. It was such an exciting move, and then it's just wasted because Barkley is just on his heels, asleep. Like Barkley can score that, or he can, like that—that's a goal. If Barkley's not asleep, like that's the, that's the thing that mo- that's most frustrating about that. For all the chances that Brighton had and the saves that Martin has made, that was the biggest opening. And such was Villa tonight, and such was Barkley tonight that it didn't even lead to a shot or a chance. You know, Barkley shoots, he scores. Barkley passes to Watkins, he scores. Villa win the game, <laughs> like you know that's that's the difference. And yet again, the difference is whether or not Ross Barkley is awake. <laughs> <laughs> and that teases up nicely for some WhatsApp winges. WhatsApp winges. Grow a set, Matt Cash. 
you say are you saying players should stay on the pitch with a hamstring injury? <laughs> I didn't know it was a hamstring injury when I wrote this down. <laughs> I just thought, what a soft, flaky <laughs> everything that I don't associate with Matt Cash generally. I thought, did he really go off the pitch because he got beaten in a shoulder tackle? Because I was that disappointed in that he didn't just bounce back up and get back into play because I don't know if you noticed the replay. Bertrand Trorori is just sort of walking by him, looking at him on the ground. And then he thinks, oh shit, actually, maybe I should get back in. <laughs> um, and I was like, ah, Matt, get up. Like, all right, she got beaten to a shoulder tackle. It's fine. Like, you know, who cares? Just get up and you'll win the ball back. But um, I, I just thought that he, he his pride was hurt and he went off because of it. Yeah, I like it. It's shit that he got a hamstring injury. You don't ever want to see anybody getting injured. But Jesus Christ, what the fuck was he playing at? <laughs> like, I know he got injured there, but he wasn't getting to that ball anyway. Like, that was just a terrible decision. And it led to what one of Brighton's best chances. It's like, Matt, Jesus, you don't keep the ball in play with a winger hounding you down unless you're certain that he sold himself and he hadn't. You sold yourself and ended up falling over the line. And always know when you're... Uh... When you're going to be beaten in the shoulder tackle as well, just don't commit to it. There's no point. Like, what's like, you know, there's this sort of un, unwritten rule that you have to go through it. No, you don't. Don't, <laughs> don't do it. Like, just weigh it up. Are you going to win it or not? Only do it if you're going to win it. That's my advice. Second one, there is nothing even remotely funny about any of this, Jack. <laughs> what was he laughing at? <sighs> Um, he'd come in from the left for like the first time in the game and his shot went out for a throw-in like I think it was sort of oh. and, and there he is laughing and it's like nah mate like this this isn't funny anymore like this is following on from the first half which I think he delivered the worst two minutes of his career with that awful touch that led to him giving away a yellow card and then straight afterwards he's at left back like he was for a lot of the match Tries to pass it inside to McGinn rather than just playing at his feet. He overhits it. And McGinn, or probably Douglas Louise, gives away a 20-yard free kick. You know, two moments, in fairness, but definitely the, the worst two minutes of Jack Grealish's career. And I did not want to see him having a laugh at how bad things were going in the second half. Yeah, it was a, it was more a laugh of disbelief, though. You know, Jack Grealish has just shanked one out for a throw-in. I assume he speaks about himself in the third person. That. <laughs> that was the... That was the First, the worst two minutes of his career, also the worst two touches of his career because he had another absolutely atrocious first touch from a dropping ball in the second half, which just gave the ball back to Brighton 30 yards mm-hmm. out. So unexpected. And I can see why he just pulled back Veltman whenever he took that touch as well because he, he was probably just as shocked as I was. And it's like, fuck. <laughs> there's, there's a really annoying inconsistency. Like, no, in fairness, that referee has a oh, swagger about him that I do not like. But... Like, do, do, do you notice he missed the the Dan Byrne throwing the ball, the, the petulance or the, mm. yeah, like throwing the ball away. It's obviously an automatic yellow card. He missed it because he wasn't looking at him, but he wasn't looking at anyone the whole game. You see Douglas Louise trying to chat to him and he just just wouldn't look at him. It's just a terrible manner to have. Like, if you want to, if you want to pretend like you have authority, then stamp your authority. Don't just ignore players who you're refereeing. Like you, you are there to control these players, so you should have some sort of lines of communication open with them. But such a strange like that—that that was obviously definitely a yellow card, what Grealish did. But like Brighton just got away with cynical foul after cynical foul, late challenges, studs up. You know, like 
just dirty, niggly tackles. Like the, the ball flicked around the corner and bang, somebody's knee. Like that's a, that's an automatic yellow card as Grealish's one. But because Grealish was a bit more blatant or he just, you know, he didn't try to disguise it and it couldn't be sort of covered up in a, oh, that was a, just a, a late tackle. He, d- he didn't bother with anybody else. He just gave it to Grealish straight away. He's another referee who didn't seem to like Grealish. Yeah. There was there was one immediately after that as well, Basuma, where he, he took down Grealish and just as cynical as Jax was, but he wasn't as obvious about it. He just very cleverly ran into the back of Jack's legs and the both of them fell over. And the ref just thought, oh, it was a bit clumsy, but it was he, was, he knew exactly what he was doing. It's actually a really clever foul from Basuma and it's a shame he didn't do it before Jack because then maybe he could have seen it seen how to do the cynical part. <laughs> but Jack was always going to get a yellow card because everybody knew what happened there. Jack Greenleaf was pissed off and he was just pulling somebody back. Third WhatsApp wins, and this could actually be a category of its own. Does Bertrand Terori give a fuck about what's happening around him? The answer is nope. Like, you know, that could be a category every week. You know, does Bertrand Terori today give a fuck about what's happening around him? And today it was a big, massive no. I assume you wrote this one down whenever Konza gave him the ball and he tried to play it back to Konza. Yeah. I think that was a shit pass from Ezra Konza. I mean, it was kind of behind Trory and he couldn't really do anything else but play it back to Konza. And then you're, you're asking for trouble then as well because Konza was in trouble because um, he didn't have any space himself. So he should never have played that pass to Trory. He has to know what Trory can do with the ball if he does get it. And Cons also reacts really late, and that makes the pass look even worse. I'm like, yeah, it's still not good from Trory, but who had a really shit game? He was almost, he was almost having an El Ghazi tonight. He was really, really pointless in the first half, and was just up and down in the second half. It was the second time that one of his uh, pieces of carelessness got Villa in trouble. So Ollie Watkins took a quick throw on the right-hand side, threw it backwards towards Trorori. Matt Cash, meanwhile, has seen this. So he's gone on the overlap because it's the first chance he's getting in about nine games because of the way Bertrand Trorori plays to go on an overlap. And Trorori, does, again, doesn't bother looking at what's happening around him and just flicks it back to the right-back position where a Brighton player is standing. And then our right-back is gone up the pitch and Trorori has to, has to track back. He did track back, but he's just... If he just looks at what's going on, he just doesn't seem to care sometimes. It's just like, this will be fun to control the ball this way and then scoop it out of my body. <laughs> you know, I think he enjoys that more than completing a pass and creating chances and dominating matches. And and like, like those were the two times that got Villa in trouble. There were just two other times, again, in the attack. Now, it's something, I know when it's going well for Villa, you don't want to take that away from him, but just like, just that recklessness again, like, you know, just, don't know what's going to happen and he frustrates the players around him. Yeah, it comes back to what I said at the start though. You know, there was no there was no connections between anybody. Nobody really knew what anybody was doing. And in that scenario, Trory is really, really a liability. But you know, whenever you take a really nice first touch, it just it's like a drug. It feels it feels so good. But <laughs> I, I can see how he gets seduced by it. And like it, it is almost as good as a score and a goal. Just a lovely little touch. It's like it's the same as whenever you have a shot and it hits the crossbar. That nearly feels better than scoring. And maybe just Bertrand Troy. Bertrand Troy just isn't an elite level footballer. He just he hasn't taken his game to the next level yet. He's just absolutely delicious with the ball, but ultimately not very good at the sport. 
Well, maybe I'm just a really boring player, but like I think the most satisfying thing in football is just a it's a completion of a nice pass. You know, just just getting your foot around it and just seeing it go exactly where you wanted it to go into somebody else's bosom. You know, like a bosom of possession. I mean, you know, there's something nice about that. I don't even mean in a a risk averse way. It's it's just a a nice action to complete. Like, why doesn't Trorori want to do that all the time? He, he wants to do it sometimes. He just doesn't care if it's going in the direction of the goals. <laughs> uh, fourth and final WhatsApp winge. I'm not doing a fucking podcast. <laughs> Is that my podcast from two two games or my <laughs> my WhatsApp winge from two games ago? Ah, oh, it was dreadful. It was it was such a flat game. It was there was nothing in it worth worth watching from a Villa perspective. And what did we have? Four shots. Like that is like that. Villa have never been so so boring. They were useless. Yeah. They just didn't create anything. Have they ever been less effective in a game of football under Dean Smith? I don't think they have. I mean, even last year when we were really shit, we were still dangerous. We just had Samata missing or like whatever it happened to be. We just <laughs> tonight we didn't even have anybody missing. <laughs> Can, can I ask you to please stop bringing up Samata in this podcast? I think sometimes, though, this year it's important to bring up Samata on tonight's on nights like tonight because it reminds us all that it's not that actually it's actually not that bad. <laughs> You're right, though. Like there, there's never been less to talk about as well because they didn't even make much mistakes either. You know, it wasn't as shambolic as some of the, like say the Burnley game that was bad and it was a mess and people were falling apart and. You know, it was, they were they were actually solid enough defensively and just did nothing else. Like that, that's what was so disappointing. And it's just the fact that you know Brighton just you're you're right. Like we we, we both like Graham Potter and they're well set up and they've got a good idea. But you know, but they're just a bit of a boring team as well. Like we're from Trossard, you don't really know what else they're they're going to bring to it. Like nobody else is really scaring you, um, apart from Danny fucking Welbeck. But it's important to to mention as well, like is it. I know, like, say, you have this from Villa Park, you know, like, how divisive the fans can be and how um, how toxic a place it can be sometimes when things are going bad. And I'm seeing that a lot now, like, you know, just there's a big culture war going on with Aston Villa now at the minute, and it's coming from that same question I'm asking at the top of the show. Like, is this a good season or not? Like, are Villa going well or not? And important for everybody to just, just fucking relax. Like, I don't mean that in a you know, calm down, it's a good season sort of way. I mean, like, when I say that Jack Grealish is a bad touch, I still know that Jack Grealish is amazing. <laughs> you know, relax, like, we can talk about that. When I say that... <laughs> this is a bad example. When I say that Matt Cash is soft, <laughs> you know, I still know that Matt Cash has been one of Villa's best players this season. When I say this is a terrible performance, it doesn't mean that I want Dean Smith out. And I want the whole thing ripped up and then started again. Like, this is football. This is this is most of the enjoyment of football. Watching it in real time and dissecting it and picking it apart and chatting about it. Like, that's that's why we watch football. We're not involved. We're not involved with Aston Villa Football Club. We're not, we're not playing. The only game we have in the game is hoping it goes well. So when it doesn't, and when it does equally, we're going to just talk about every single part of it because that's all we can do. Like, we've got nothing else to do but talk about Aston Villa. Otherwise, like, you're ruining the illusion of what football is. It's not, it's not real. We're not, we're not part of it. 
we're just here looking in from the outside and people who don't want you to talk about that are are sort of making me feel like a bit of a loser then because it's like well what else can i do like you know i i don't have pom-poms i'm not i'm not a cheerleader let me talk about it like it's fine we can all have a reasonable discussion and like i said a few podcasts ago when somebody when somebody says like Grealish is shite or somebody says dean smith should be sacked and like that like that's your license to not talk to that person again. <laughs> Everything else is fair game, like including Tyrone Mings. Like he gets that awful dune, and like especially by us as well, and rightly so. But like we still, like this is all caveat it with we've asked a question every time we've abused him. Should Courtney House play? And we firmly said no. Tyrone Mings should still play because we're just analyzing the match. We want them to be better. And actually, and we'll talk about him later. He's been really good the last two games. So. I'm not taking credit for it, but it does no harm. <laughs> yeah, we've invested so much of our lives, our time and our money into football and Aston Villa. We're allowed to complain about it. And it's it's silly as well. People people get people make a mistake in thinking that you have to support everything that the club you do your that your club you support does. You don't. You know, I support Aston Villa. So if one of the players is shit, I don't want that player being there anymore and I'll support him whenever he's playing. I'm not willing him to be shit. Yeah. But when he is shit after the game, it's okay to say that because you might want to replace him. <laughs> You're not going to get any better by just constantly saying, no, no, I think he's good enough. I think we should stick with Nyland. <laughs> Imagine those Liverpool fans that got their way. El Jar and Ngog would still be, would still be trying to break through. Loris Karius would still be their fucking goalkeeper. Yeah. Although, based on the last two weeks, maybe that wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. just just relax. Like, let's let's talk about football. What else are we going to do? And that's exactly what we're going to do next when we hand out some awards. Mike Ashley has turned Newcastle into a discount sports company and appointed a discounted bargain basket manager. Glenn Roeder, Kenny Dogalish, Sam Allardyce, and Steve Bruce. What a fucking parade of cavemen. Like, that is the only reason Andy Carroll is a professional footballer. Only Steve Bruce and Neil Warnock have got promoted more times than Mick McCarthy. That's not even a good stat because the good managers kept their teams up <laughs> and then progressed their careers. <laughs> Dean Smith will never get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. Brendan Rodgers won't get another team promoted from the championship because he won't be there. Pep Guardiola once again reveals himself to be a cunt. Do me a fucking favour, as if Jack Grealish needs to go play under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to progress his career. <laughs> that is absolutely a step backwards. Put this on record, United won't be within 10 points of the title. I, I genuinely believe that, and I'm not even trying to exaggerate, it's not hyperbole. Three, four games of, of bad run, United are out of the title race, like that, and that will happen to them, that will definitely happen to them.
what gets Sean Dyche out of bed in the morning? <laughs> like, how does he do it? Imagine how exciting a job that would be. Imagine coming home and saying to your partner, I got a new job! I'm a football manager! And then going out and doing that with it? What a waste of time! Steve Bruce is a greying pair of slazenger socks in the basket by the checkout that nobody wants. Alright, some award categories. First up, the Paul Lambert. I'm delighted with our performance. I'm fed up with this shit. What is John McGinn seeing that we are not? Uh, uh, Jesus Christ. You know, the first time he did that in the in the match, I decided I'm going to start marking this down. Now I'm marking the minutes because he's going to do that again. Yeah. He played two crossfield balls, one in the 8th minute and one in the 27th. So my marking <laughs> down did, wasn't actually necessary. I would have remembered both of those. But not only did he completely fuck up the actual connection with the ball, both occasions, and I've said this before, both occasions, it was to a player who was under as much pressure as he was in a worse position. Mm. What a waste of fucking everybody's time. <laughs> and I don't just mean on the pitch, I mean everybody at home. Like You're not <laughs> tricking anybody into thinking you're better at football by floating the ball across the pitch. And certainly not if you're going to trickle it into their opposition's midfielder's feet. What the fuck is he trying to do? I don't know, and I don't know how many times he's going to try it as well. Like, it, it seems like it's going to take one of these to come off for him to realise that that was pointless, but, they, but they're never coming off. And not only is he conceding possession, like, it's your holding midfielder trying to play a crossfield ball. That is so dangerous, especially when it gets gets caught out. And frustratingly, like, frustratingly, right? Yeah, you're right. It's it's Even if that makes it to Matt Cash or Tarori, like they're under so much pressure then because there's players around them. And by the time it gets there, they're going to be closer. But it's never on anyway because of the position of the players in between. It would have to be a, some sort of knuckleball shot up and down to get there. And he's never going to do that because he seems to have the ball not even caught under his feet. His torso seems to be about three foot in front of the wall. <laughs> so he's always trying to scoop it out from behind him. And like that's that's where the connection's going wrong in a lot of his play in general. But but those crossfield balls need to stop. Like it, Talk about being fed up with something like that. It's so pointless and so dangerous, and I can't believe that we haven't considered a goal from one yet. Yeah, it's mad. He's taking himself and the right back out of. Out, it's normally it's normally two cash. He's taking the two of them out of the game, and even yeah. if it does get the cash, and the cash is just volleying that straight back to Konza. <laughs> like that's all that's happening there. Who's playing Tim Mings? Who's cleaning it up? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, second nomination this is probably at the other side of the spectrum Douglas Louise being afraid to do anything he showed a bit of positivity early on like a couple of runs forward but even then he just the adventure just seeped out of him when he got into a position to maybe do something and he would just pop it off and, and get back but then Throughout the game, then he just started becoming really negative. That that thing that I hate with Nakamba, and I hate with any holding midfielder who does this, he's just deciding going back to Kanza and sometimes going back to Martin. As one case in the second half where he he was about thirty five meters out in the Brighton half, and he just booted it back to Martin. As and I wouldn't even mind that, but he didn't even have a look. Just have a look around, and he just decided like, like I'm not taking any risks today. Maybe it was because he got dropped. I don't know. 
But like he's not going to keep his place doing this shit because like, it offered nothing him doing that. Well, that's what he got dropped for doing nothing. Somebody who's just going to come in and do exactly that. Yeah. Um, and the two best things Villa did in the first half was yep, yeah, whenever Jack, you know, aggressively played the ball in between the two players because Dougie had made the run through the middle inside their own half. That was lovely to see, and that's what we expect from this Villa team. We expect players to be playing with a bit of adventure and a bit of courage. And then the one-two with Jack Grealish where Dougie played the ball inside the centre half and the fullback. That was, again, delicious before Jack was saved down. Yeah. But yeah, he wasn't he wasn't good after that, after those two two moments of nothing happening afterwards. But Villa were so bad that whenever any of the midfielders had the ball, there was nothing. There was nothing to give it to. Nobody was making a run. And whenever Ollie Watkins did make one run, he wasn't seen. It was just people either running just into an Oliver Brighton player and then stopping, and then the guy just having to roll it to somebody else who wasn't moving. There was nothing on for any of the players, so I felt a bit sorry for for uh, Dougie. It's actually a bit annoying, like coming back to the system and the mindset. Like, even if you wanted to be so fearful, and I'm not just picking on Dougie now, like. Ollie Watkins makes those runs into the channel. Like he's actually a really good player against three centre backs. He's a really good player anyway. But anyway, he drags him out of position, and so much so, like especially the, those lumbering Brighton centre backs, like they end up just poking the ball out for a throw-in, and Villa are up the pitch. And it's like, what? Why don't we do that more often? We're not doing anything else. Why not just lob it up for for Watkins to chase and and freak one of those centre backs out who'll usually just clear out a play for a throw-in? You know, like. If we're going to be so reductive in our approach, then 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 use something to stretch the game and get us back up the pitch. I can I can very easily imagine us sitting here after this game if that was our approach. Saying, I mean, what the fuck were we doing? Just dinking <laughs> balls into the corner for Ollie Watkins with two big massive centre halves up his arse. <laughs> that would be in this category as well. I'm fed <laughs> up with this shit. Uh, last nomination: Jack Grealish's first touch being god awful. I don't think this will ever be nominated again, but like you said, that that one in the second half as well to put Villa under pressure, but just in general, it wasn't good. Like, he was being marked tightly and by more than one player, but he, he wasn't getting the ball moving because of his first touch. He always had to sort of check back for it and yeah, put himself under more pressure than he was going to be under anyway. Yeah, he was, he was a bit off it tonight, but he was still still caused a few dangerous moments for Villa, as, as you'd expect, but like, yeah, add him to the list. Like everybody except for the yeah. goalkeeper was shite, and Ollie Watkins just couldn't get in the game because of that as well. Yeah, John McGinn wins this award, I think. Without a fucking doubt. <laughs> you let Glenn Whelan hit a 90th minute penalty award. Oh, I don't know how this happened, and it kept happening. Douglas Louise marking Dan Byrne from corners. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. I, I don't think Villa were zonal tonight. A couple of them were, but but Louise was marking that burn. What the fuck? Yeah, I, I think he was supposed to... <laughs> I mean, it, it looks a lot worse than what they're actually trying to do there. Douglas Louise is just trying to stop Dan Byrne from having a clean run through on goal, and then you're hoping that that frees up Tyrell Mings, or Konza, or Watkins to have a free, a free run at the ball to head it out. But... Yeah, it was it was begging to be taken advantage of, and luckily it wasn't. <laughs> um, yeah, this is one. Obviously, this category is aimed at the the management of the team. Anyway, the usage of Jack Grealish 
Right. Messi doesn't do anything in that setup tonight. And it's almost a crime to have a player like Grealish and and do nothing with it. Like, he, he can't do anything if nobody else is helping him out if he doesn't have a midfield. Like, literally didn't have... Th- like, there were three midfielders, supposedly, tonight, and they were all... One of them was standing behind Watkins, <laughs> you know, watching Watkins play football, and the other two were standing beside Konza and giving him the ball. And then you have Grealish out the left being triple marked. And... and, and it's like when I say it's a crime, I don't mean that in like a a purist sort of way. I mean like you've got one of the best players in world football. You know, you have to do something to get him going. And like, you know, like sometimes that might mean moving him into number ten, moving him out in the right or but like do something, change the setup. Like you have you have the one of the best assets. Use it. Like that that is bad management that it's just allowed to stay out in the left and largely do nothing and just have to track back and defend and Oh, it's sad. It's sad to see. Yeah, and like even the little simple thing of putting them out to the right, I think that happened for about 30 seconds. And we mentioned Barkley's struggles in there, you know, in between the, the bank of six and the bank of three. Because it was so tight, like he probably needed Jack Grealish in there because Barkley wasn't going to do anything. He's too cumbersome and he's too slow. So you, you might as well even play Grealish in there just just so you've got, not even to get Grealish into the game, just so you've got another player in the fucking game. It was, it was, it was strange that they didn't try, didn't try anything. There was a great piece in the Independent from Melissa Reddy about Grealish talking about it's time to change. <laughs> She's fucking five years too late to this, but it's good to see that somebody in the mainstream media is there. It's time to change the language when we're talking about Jack Grealish. Like you know, this idea that he's a he's playing for a small club. You know, should we still have to see how good he is, or this idea that because he's a main man in a small pond, that you know it's easier for him? And like basically, she was saying that you know, ask anybody to do that and be the guy carrying all the weight of one team, being completely targeted by the opposition every game. Like, <laughs> not anybody, not just anybody, is going to front up to that. Never mind then somebody who can hit De Bruyne numbers, who is playing with Man City under Pep Guardiola. You know, um, so it was good to see, but like that, that's sort of in my mind as well. You know, just we know how good Grealish is anyway. Like, but yeah, just we need Smith. We need that to be a priority in every single minute of the game. Like, you know, how can we get Grealish free here? And tonight, it just seemed like we were just accepting not playing well. Yeah, when when you're thinking about the opposition, you think about their. Think about their players, but not not their attacking players. You think about where you can expose them, and the best way to expose them is to put Jack Grealish on their, on where you think they're imbalanced, because that will just only tip the imbalance even further, and then you'll just you create floods of chances. I mean, yeah, you're, you're right to talk about his numbers and stuff, and you know not everybody could do that, but also just watch him play. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's, there's, I've seen I've I've watched Philly games of people who don't who don't like soccer, and they can just see that Jack Grealish is. It's just an, on a different and a different level, and it doesn't matter who he's playing against. It doesn't matter who else is on the pitch. He just looks different to everybody else. He's balletic on the ball. He's he does so many beautiful things. He's creates he's created three times more chances than anybody else in the Villa team. You know, and he doesn't he doesn't hit every set piece or anything like that, which can often tilt those numbers. He's just he's just he's a different level. Last nomination for this award. Doing nothing with Barkley, like we had mentioned, and just with that nomination, doing nothing with Sanson. 
like, you know, I keep hearing Smith talk about what value for money Sanson was and how they couldn't but buy him when he came at that price. Well, fucking use him. Like, what? <laughs> what, what is he? Like, let's get him in. Yeah. Let's see what he can do. Yeah. Because like, things ain't going well, mate. Let's, uh, yeah. And let's, let's, let's have a bit of perspective here. I mean, it's right to have a bit of patience with him. It's right to, you know, drip feed him into a few games and don't don't forget that two of the games that we were playing in we were fucking shite that he that he was a possibility to come on for it would have been an absolute nightmare if he was brought into those games like tonight even and if Barkley wasn't so fucking god awful you wouldn't be saying to get Sanson on either you would understand the approach so you can't just change that approach because Barkley's shite yeah I think Douglas Louise marking Dan Byrne from corners wins this <laughs> Go on then. The Vimin meter going down. Claret socks. <laughs> as soon as I saw them, as, as soon as I saw them, I knew, I knew this wasn't good. I think it was because uh, Villa usually wear blue socks, and obviously Brighton are wearing blue socks, and they just looked. The players looked more cumbersome in them, and they looked scruffier. The kit looked a bit more old fashioned. Didn't look good. When I saw them walking out, I thought, ah, oh, Christ, this this is not good. And I was proven correct. <laughs> if there's anything that this shows how much of a warrior and how irrational you are, it's the fact that you saw 22 pairs of socks and thought, or 22 socks and thought, we're fucked. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like it. Bring back the light blues. Like, the light blue is not a clash. Who cares if the socks are clashing? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it made the boots. It made everybody look slower. Like, yeah. Anyway, it, ma- it makes black boots look so much worse when there's just such a sharp, dark enough claret color there as well. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, going down, John McGinn for his desire to continuously give the ball back to Brighton. Yeah, John McGinn give the ball away far too often, and maybe that was something to do with the socks. Maybe because he has his head down and his body bowed <laughs> over the ball, all he can see is people's feet. And he just kept passing it to the to the blue socks because that was what he was used to. You see the one, um, it was a bad clearance, and I think it was it was him who cleared it poorly initially, and then it came back out to McGinn, who's facing the goals. He's twenty, he's twenty yards out, and Kansa's uh, there with him. But there's a player right beside McGinn and Kansa, and he he tries to like like sort of hammer at the ball you're sort of like hatch it down as if you know he's spinning it back to Kanza who is three meters away from him and who's going to have to clear it anyway because they're under such pressure so yet again McGinn can clear it but he's thinking I'll just spin this back to to Kanza completely miscues it Brighton get the ball Kanza has to block and it's like it was just that all night from McGinn you know a simple pass that he couldn't just make and he didn't have to make that pass all he had to do was clear the ball so his execution was all off, but his decision making yet again is is up for question. But like this is sort of when McGinn now will play good in the next game because he'll surely be getting abused for this. Yeah, McGinn has been so up. McGinn has been emblematic of Villa this season. He's been so up and down, and and maybe that's maybe that's a part of it. Maybe whenever he plays well, Villa Villa win. Maybe he's um, the key. Maybe he's the key. But then again, if your if you if your midfielder isn't playing well, you're not going to win very many games. Uh, well, tonight he was playing well with the Claret Sox, so maybe we can give him a pass for that. 
Uh, Douglas Louise going down for his desire to give away 20-yard free kicks. Like, here we go again. This this guy just charging into the back of people. Like, uh, do Villa give away more of those goal-scoring opportunities than, than any other team? No, I think you just worry about them more than anybody else. And you don't, <laughs> you don't notice whenever Villa get them because we invariably just kick the ball out of play for a goal kick, either straight out of play or via Tyrone Mings' head. Uh, final one going down. Obviously, the whole team could go down, but Dean Smith for his inability to react to bad games. Like once, once again, like we we have yet to be uh, convinced otherwise. Like that Villa can can lift their performance when they start flat. But once again, Villa are playing badly and they can't they can't change the tide. They haven't been able to do it all season. They start well. They usually finish well. They usually win. Um, they start badly and they, they don't ever improve. Like, they, they don't. Like, sometimes they get a result, but they don't improve in the game. And it's largely, you know, I know his hands are tied as well, but it's just largely down to the lack of decisions and, and changes that are happening on the sideline. Yeah, I, I, I think there there's one or two little tweaks he could have tried tonight, definitely, and we, we covered a lot of them. But there was a stage there just coming up to half time where Alan Smith suggested that Dean Smith will be very eager to get them into the change room and I was thinking will he like five minutes into every game I know how Villa are going to be playing for the rest yeah. of the, this season it's it's just, it's so depressing that once once they're not on it you're right they're not on it for the rest of the game and it is a bizarre character flaw in what appears to be most of the players obviously I don't think it affects Jack Greeley he seems to be able to lift himself whenever he starts off badly he, he'll, he'll always work his way into the game but yeah the rest of the team, it's it is a worrying trend. I mean, uh, going up, Emmy Martinez. Obviously, I've got Matt Target here because he was actually the one player I was glad to see on the ball because I, I sort of knew what I was going to get from him, and it was a bit more. Actually, he looked a bit more adventurous than the rest of the players. Like it, I know he got Grealish on the left, so it's a bit easier. But yeah, like he he was the one person where I thought, okay, I c- I could relax a bit knowing that something might come of it, or he he just wasn't in that frame of mind like the rest of them were of giving the ball away yeah like first half my target was head and shoulders above every other Aston Villa player yeah. and if that wasn't the kick up the earth they needed for the second half I don't know what else could have been but uh, <laughs> it was, he was aggressive in the tackle and he was aggressive on the ball as well he skipped past a few lads he drilled the ball over the top for Grealish once or twice um, nice pass to Barkley as well who like turned down the shot and tried to tee up McGinn, I think, but some yeah. for some reason bounced it out. Like I, I hate seeing somebody bouncing a ball out when they have the ball steady at their feet. It's so irresponsible. Yeah, what like what have you done wrong? How have you even managed to do that? You kicked the top of the ball, yeah. um, and you're a professional footballer. So it was a delicious pass from Target into Barkley. You're right, but it was also like Ross. That's such a lazy pass to play. Like McGinn's not gonna score from there. Do me a fucking favor, especially if you're gonna roll the ball out to him like that. Yeah. The one thing Target did that was absolutely dreadful was the free kick that he floated out over Tyrone Mings's head on the right yeah. wing. What the, what were we trying to do there? Like I know what we were trying to do, but we we're so far off from achieving it. It was, like, uh, it was a shit idea anyway. I, Villa for a team who have shown some clever invention from set pieces tonight they were <laughs> they were telegraphing everything. They were letting Brighton know exactly what they were thinking from every free kick. So. The time that Trorori, like Grealish won the free kick. It's funny, like we, we side Grealish and it's always him who who does something. <laughs> um he won the free kick on the byline. 
when he just got chopped down, cut inside, and Ferrari was taking it, and Mings came over chatting to him, and then mm. ran into the box. It's like, okay, well, I guess he's going to look for Mings here, <laughs> and and sure enough, he did, and sure enough, like you know, Dunk had followed him and just headed it clear. And sorry, just on that as well, like Douglas Wee standing on the right hand side over a ball is showing everybody the the trajectory of the pass that he wants to hit. <laughs> He's like showing them with his hands. Like, I'm going on the outside of that defender and it's going to come in that way. And sure enough, they headed a clear. That Tyrone Mings, the Truri Tyrone Mings one was absolutely hilarious. I was I was like, oh yes, another little set play here, building on last week. And it was just a little dink into the front post. It was like <laughs> 10 yards away. What the fuck was that? Like, what? Mings was over there for ages. What did he say? Tried to cross it to me. <laughs> yeah. No, no ball or skip. <laughs> I have... Oh, last player going up, I have Tyrone Mings because he had been going down. Uh, second week in a row, he's been very good. And to be honest, just mostly because he just had that little word with Mopai when he when he missed. Mm-mm. Just right down on his face. And I thought, yes, Tyrone. Like, you know, we all know how... What a dick Mopai is. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, it was good to see Tyrone giving him a bit of it when he missed. Uh, Tyrone Mings was absolutely fucking brilliant tonight. One player I would think about maybe putting down was uh, Ezri Kanza. I mean, he's obviously been listening to the Villa podcast, so it's you know it's worthwhile having another word in his ear here now, and because I think he's let it go to his head. And he was he was looking a little cocky in that first half. He was on the ball, taking his time, <laughs> exuding confidence. At least in his own head, that's what was happening. In my head, he looked like a fucking indecisive mess. I think he was it was Tyrone Mings at his worst for, for a long period of that first half, but he was he was really good in the second half, so then I think that keeps him steady enough on the vitamin meter. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. What is the point of Grealish doing splits behind the wall? So obviously the idea is for him to like if the wall wants to jump, there's a player behind to block it if it goes in the deck. But he's just there with his leg spread. He's got he's got a knee down, I think, and then he's he's just extended his left leg to the other side of the wall, leaving basically the entire middle of the wall vacant with space between his legs. Mm. If you're gonna do that, just lie down. Like surely that's that's the idea of it. This is a really annoying fad that's come into come into world football because a player did it a season and a half ago in the Champions League. Like, <laughs> how often does a player roll the ball under a free kick that it's worth just giving up one of your players for it? Yeah. Like, fuck off. <laughs> get off the ground, Jack, and get ready to counter-attack. This is what everybody wants to happen. Emmy's catching this free kick anyway, and he's looking for you. Get ready. You have actually uh, reminded me... Of a question we can't answer that I should just throw in now. Would you rather just have Greatest not come back and just play the messy role? Like, he's not offering much anyway. He's an extra body, but, like, you know, we laugh at how bad he is defensively. Like, that probably sums it up as well. Like, would you would you get more from him just standing around up top, cheating the fullback or whoever? Like, they might, might be less inclined to go forward as well if he's just standing around not bothering to come back. That's too important to have Ollie Watkins being being the guy who stays up top um, because his first touch is so good and he's so important as the outlet ball. And you oh, need... sorry, I mean keep the two of them. <laughs> Jesus, you can't get away with that anymore. <laughs> no, you know, like, but like, I'm just wondering like, because of how little he brings you anyway defensively. Ah, uh, uh, no, like he needs to be there. He needs to be there at least making a nuisance of himself. 
and sometimes even just seeing somebody in the opposite team, you'll you'll refuse to pass. Like yeah. you're not always going to think this is Jack Grealish. He's falling asleep. I'll just play it behind him. You just see there's a Villa defender in front of the right back. I'm not going to play it to him. Yeah. That's fair. Um, just on the free kick thing is another question. Um, I can't take credit for it. My friend Dermy sent me a text about it this morning uh, during the Liverpool match. He said, why don't teams just pass the ball down the side of the wall and then they'll all trip over the player lying behind them <laughs> to try to react? <laughs> it's, like, it's a classic schoolyard thing. Like lie down behind someone and they turn around and or you push them. <laughs> like what could they do really if you roll down the side? Like you've taken out six players potentially. I did not... <laughs> All gonna just strip over Jack Grealish <laughs> like a Benny Hill thing. <laughs> like, as you said, he's not even taking up that much room. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, was there more throw-ins tonight than Villa will have chances for the rest of the season? <laughs> there were certainly more fucking throw-ins than there were Villa chances tonight. Um. <laughs> I didn't notice there was an inordinate amount of throw-ins. Ah, fuck off. Like, the, the ball wasn't in play. Like, I think in that first 45 minutes, the ball, like, genuinely, the ball was in play about four and a half of those 45 minutes. <laughs> it was, like, it was utterly unwatchable. Like, it, it was when it was in play, somebody was fouled and a free kick was being set up or somebody was down injured. And I, I, that, That's the sort of game, like, I think we had this whole loving about football a few weeks ago when there was no football. Um... That's the sort of game I would hate for, like my girlfriend, for example, to sit down and watch because she like that. That would just validate everything she thinks about football and how boring it is. Like that, that was unbelievable. Like it was like it was like neither of them. Like the pitch was too small. It was just a twenty-two players who weren't good enough for the size of the pitch and they couldn't keep it in play. I'd like to hear what a Brighton fan thought of that game tonight. I don't think they'll think it was as dreadful as you. I I thought that game was absolutely terrible to watch, but that's just because Villa were so shit. Yeah. I mean, whenever your team isn't as shit as that, then it's it's a lot more enjoyable to watch it. But Villa kicked the ball away every time they got it, and that was often to a Brighton player, and yeah, sometimes just straight out of play. There's one with Dougie just played it straight out of play trying to play it to target, but it wasn't even like he just, you know, target ran past and he didn't realise the target was going forward. It was nowhere fucking near him. <laughs> it was about 10 yards behind target and everybody on the pitch just kind of stopped because it was so confusing. It was like he was trying to roll it out to Dean Smith. It was, wow. And that was just, that, that, that was just uh, towards the end of the match that was and I was just thinking, Christ almighty, that just sums up everything about this game. Disgusting. Liam, is this what it's like to be a Burnley fan? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like you're saying, I am wondering now what the Brighton fans think of it. Yeah, well, like, this is exactly what everybody thinks, usually, apart from Crystal Palace, obviously, today. Like, when they play against Burnley, you know, well, this is probably what Brighton fans think. Like, what, what was the point of that fucking team there today? What were they doing? Like, what, what, what were Villa doing? Well, are we it, just Burnley fans now? At least Burnley fans get... The excitement of a corner kick or a free kick, whereas whenever Villa are playing that badly, that does you don't even have that then. Yeah. It's like whenever Villa kicked the ball out for a corner kick, you might as well just kicked it out for a goal kick because fuck all's <laughs> happening here. Was the Emmy Martinez interview the best thing that's happened to you this week? Like just to summarize it for anybody who didn't hear it, 
the interviewer is so annoying. Like just one of those interviewers who wants players to like him. You're not, they're not going to be friends with you no matter how soft you are in your questions. Phil have played badly. Like anybody with half a brain will be happy enough to have that discussion. They're not going to get thick at you saying you didn't play that well tonight. First question, good point, Emmy. <laughs> and Emmy goes, Nah, not really. We came to win. We weren't good. They deserve to win. And then he follows it up with, Been a good season for you, hasn't it? Like, what, what's the aim then? And then Emmy Martin is like, Well, it's Europe. That's why I'm so disappointed. We could have moved into the top six tonight with two games in hand. It's <laughs> just like, Yes. Like, there's a player who not only obviously has ambition, but he's just completely in tune with how bad Villa were tonight. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. On an absolute shit night, that was easily. The best thing about it. And but how I'm depressing you, was it the is best that? thing this week? The be- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, seeing as this is the longest stretch of time Villa haven't had a game, and the last game they had was over a week ago. Yes, it, it was. <laughs> I just finally, I don't think this is a question, but um, I want to revisit it because I did bring it up in a WhatsApp whinge at, after the Arsenal match. And I said, I'm not watching Villa play like this for the rest of the season. You said you won't have to. Here we are, ninety minutes later. Do you regret saying that? <laughs> you think you think you've won this argument because you said I'm not going to watch Villa playing like this for the next twenty games, and one <laughs> game in, you are now proven right. I all I'm saying is I knew the Clark Sox weren't going to bode well, and I knew that after the Arsenal match, this is trouble, and both of my both of my cards have come up. Look, like I said at the start, get used to it. This is Aston Villa now. It's win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. And tonight definitely should have been a loss. So roll on the win. Roll on the win. Yeah, um, that's, I suppose, all we can hope for. Do you know what? I'm actually happy if they have a draw because of that very thing that you're saying. Like, I'm actually just fed up winning and losing and winning and losing. Sometimes, I think it was a Wolves game. I was, like, sort of buckling up for a nice nil-nil draw. Obviously got the wins. So you're happy enough, but... Yeah, like it's 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 good sometimes you know that you're not just a mad scatterbrained team. Like they're not a good team tonight. That wasn't a good performance by any stretch, but it is still good to know that when you don't when you have your worst game of the season, and let's face it, that was, you can still keep a clean sheet and comfortably enough as well. So we can end on a positive, can't they? Well, you could, or you could acknowledge the fact that we're playing Leicester next and this, this week is going to end very abruptly. Ah, uh, uh, fuck. Well, we'll enjoy another week of not having to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we'll, we'll see you then. Let's, uh, let's buckle up, as you say. But to be honest, we're usually, we're usually more honest for better teams. But the last time we played Leicester, Soyuncu, Madison and Barty didn't play. Ah, oh, Christ. <laughs> yeah. You better buckle up for some WhatsApp winches, Liam. <laughs> Looking forward to it. All right, see you then. That wind is calling my name, and I won't wait, or I'll never get on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.